Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hello, and welcome to The Disruptive Entrepreneur. No, this is not the voice of Rob Moore, but don't worry, you'll be with him soon. I'm Tom, and you might have heard me mention before, I work behind the scenes, helping Rob make The Disruptive Entrepreneur happen. Rob is travelling at the moment, so I've stepped in to enjoy this very special episode for him. Now, we never like to repeat ourselves here at The Disruptive Entrepreneur. We like to continue to change, move forward and adapt. So when the suggestion of our current guest, another bodybuilder like Dorian Yates, was floated, we were initially hesitant, especially as that is an episode that is one of our favourites here at TDE headquarters. However, we're very glad we went ahead and have produced an interview that we are all incredibly proud of. This week, Rob is interviewing former Mr. Olympia, social media sensation and businessman Jay Cutler. Jay was Mr. Olympia four times between 2006 and 2010 and has 14 other bodybuilding titles making him one of the most successful bodybuilders of all time. Since retiring from the scene, he has gone on to start his own successful nutrient and supplements brand, as well as becoming a social media star with over 2.5 million followers on Instagram. That's a lot of people. Jay and Rob really hit it off and talk about everything from watches to business and a lot about the mindset of being successful, whether that's bodybuilding or business building. In fact, they got on so well, we've even left in their pre-roll conversation from before the interview officially started for you to listen to. So enjoy, as always, a completely unedited, honest and informative interview with Rob Moore and Jay Cutler. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Can you see me now? Yeah, man, yeah. Cool, how are you? What's going on, man? Ah, yeah. Do you, just a random one, random one before we start. Were you, in one of your pictures, were you wearing an APT3? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah Arnie's I one. Bought, I actually bought a couple of watches yesterday. I don't know if you follow my stories, but I was at my jeweler yesterday here in California. And so what did you get? I bought a couple of Rolexes. A couple of Rolexes. I got my girl a watch and uh, she, uh, he's, she's the one, he's the jeweler we got our, her engagement ring from, and I bought a few watches, you know. I'm yeah. going to a big UFC fight this weekend in LA. I don't know if you follow UFC or not, but yeah, yeah. The kid that's fighting it, this kid, Cody Garbrandt, is very good friends of us. So he's fighting for the title with uh, TJ Dillashaw. So, right. We're out here with the dogs. My birthday's tomorrow. So, happy birthday. Pre celebration. We went to Disneyland yesterday. You go with family. Do you have kids? No, I don't have children. No. I just we we took the dogs out here. The dogs are staying at home. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Right. So, um, before we start, Jay, is there anything you want to know? Anything you liked specifically to talk about or not talk about? No, you kind of set me kind of the game plan. So, I mean, let's just stick to that. And um, yeah. you know, I roll with, I roll with it pretty well. So. 
Um, your picture's not super clear, but am I clear on yeah. my end? Yeah, you're really clear. Oh. So good. Yeah. Okay, as long as, uh, yeah, as, long as I'm clear. They see enough of me. They don't need to see me. They need to see you more than me. So. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, then. So what I'll do, Jay, um, just for your convenience as well, is I'll do the intro post-edit. Um, so we'll just kind of, Felicity will just do another check on the audio and um, video, and then we'll go straight in. One take, one mark. <laughs> Jay, thanks for doing the podcast. Appreciate it. This is Angie. Angie says hi. Hi, Angie's hand. How are you doing? <laughs> She's just getting up, so... Cool. What, what time is it over there? It's nine in the morning, but, you know, we were all, we walked yesterday through Disneyland. You can imagine it was a lot of walking. So we're a little tired and uh, we're kind of dragging a little bit today yeah. now, but it worked out. Sorry I missed you last time, bro. I, I didn't put it in my notes because I had 12 things that came on me at the same time. And I have to, you know, thank goodness for cell phones because I, I stopped using a day planner 10 years ago, you know? <laughs> yeah. And now, of course, with the with the cell phones, it gives you those reminders, and I got so many things every day. I don't usually take podcasts, or um, I don't usually do these that often. I kind of pick and choose which ones I do because you can imagine every day I get requests mm. um, to do this. You know, actually, you know Chris Getton. Obviously, you're an English guy, right? Yeah. You know Chris Chris Getton is he's. He just asked me to do one, I think, next week or whatever. But I just I don't usually do them that often. So, Well, um, I'm honoured. I appreciate your time, Jay. Should we get cracking? Should we go for it? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, cool. So I'm quite fascinated by trying to pick out what makes someone successful. Um, have you managed to work out in your head what's the difference between, say, a Mr. Olympia winner and those who come second, third, fourth, fifth, is it pure 1% strength? Is it something in your head? What do you think? I think what makes, that separates a Mr. Olympia champion from other professional bodybuilders where they finish. Listen, I was second a lot of years in the Mr. Olympia. I was second to last in my first one. Mm. And I'll be honest with you, when I started training at the age of 18, um, I had a visual of, how I wanted to look and people have a confusion on what they think bodybuilding is. And I consider us a lot of artists because visually you look in the mirror and you see changes in physique and you, you, you see your genetic potential. So I think a lot of people look at like, okay, I'm going to put this person as my role model because their physique kind of is similar, but um, we all have certain body parts we want to grow and, and we have a final outcome we'd love to look like, although sometimes it's not achievable. But, you know, I started following magazines when I was 12 and I didn't start training until I was 18, but I already visually knew like what I wanted to do uh, when I did start hitting the weights at 18 and I just didn't know the path to get there. So I, I used a lot of, um, a lot of magazine images. Um, I learned from people in the gym and, you know, you build up what they call mind-to-muscle connection. You build up uh, what they call uh, experience. So, you know, you start off, I wrote a book one time called CEO Muscle, and it was talked about beginner, intermediate, and advanced trainer. And I considered myself advanced at the time. I wrote the book when I was already close to 30, not 30. Sure. So 
I had been training already for 12 years. And I just hate kind of, it's like someone saying, oh, he's a percent uh, away from his ultimate potential or whatever. I don't believe in that kind of stuff. I just think, I think you're kind of, you're raised and you're born with certain mentality. And obviously I think you have to be a bit stubborn. Mm -hmm. I, I think I've said before because, you know, we fail and through failures, I think, you know, that's what builds people up for the greatest successes because I think even the most successful people would tell you that, you know, the first time they did something, they, they didn't necessarily achieve it every time. No one has greatness every time. You see professional win records and people do have professional win records, boxers or whatever, where they're undefeated. But a lot of those defeats, uh, a lot of those wins, I mean, um, could have been defeats. I mean, it, when it's based on decisions sometimes. Mm. Um, and I think that's the circumstance with Mr. Olympia. Uh, you know, you mentioned second, third, and fourth. Well, uh, uh, audience perspective, a guy that's second, third, or fourth sometimes could have won. Mm. And it was time I could have won the Olympian. Maybe I could have lost, yeah. depending on the decisions. But to go in the gym every day and have that mentality to push yourself beyond limitations, uh, it does take a certain mindset. I mean, you've got you to mask everything out. You need to live inside a very tunneled vision uh, lifestyle where – you know, it's all about eating, sleeping, training. When I go to a gym on a daily basis, or I did, I can't say necessarily now because I retired five years, but I knew exactly when I was leaving the gym the day prior what I was going to do the next day. Yeah. So I meant to prepare myself. I knew how hard I had to push. I knew what kind of sets and reps I needed to do. I, needed to, I knew what order I needed to do them in. I knew what meals I needed to eat prior or after or you know, how I needed to go about my day, what, what activities I needed to do around that. So I think you develop that pattern. And I think really that's what it comes down to is to be able to stay on that track every day. You hear about so many people that get on these diets or they get on a training regimen and they fall off within three or four days. The difference between a, a Mr. Olympia champion, uh, even over the guys that might fit. like we don't leave any stones unturned. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, we take no risk in our routines. If we're fighting for the ultimate goal, I mean, there's only been 13 Mr. Olympias. I was 11. Uh, you have to have that mindset. You have to have the, the vision to just every time you get knocked up, get back up and, and fight stronger forward. So, mm -hmm. I really think that my mind is stronger than most of the other guys. And I think a lot of the other guys would agree, but I hear so many times, even with the new society and the kids coming up and, you know, people that even, you know, mid age coming up to me saying, I'm going to be the next Mr. Olympia. But I never said that leading in. I, I knew that I could get there, but I just kept, you know, let my bubble do the talking for me really. And I think, uh, it does take a, a very, very strong mindset. And I was, I was raised with that. I was taught, I worked before school, after school, school vacations, weekends, doing concrete work in the family business. And that structure just gave me that hardcore mentality where, you know, if you want to work something at hard at something, especially a family business for it to succeed, you had to put all your time and effort into that. Sure. Okay. So this, belief that you have that you have a stronger mind in a and of obviously other people have said it about you as well in addition to hard work and the construction background what makes your mind stronger than the people who are below you i think you know i'm for listen i i, 
I think I experienced a lot in my life, but I just think, uh, you know, I think I'm a thinker. Like some people react quicker. I really take in a situation and I evaluate everything. And I, if you ever watch record of my Olympia wins and losses, okay, I'm, I'm going to put the biggest stage out there because I'm recognizable in all different aspects. I won Arnold Classics, uh, you know, but I'm going to use my competitive career. And, and obviously, a lot of fans don't know me on the business side or much as much personally as they know the guy that wins on the stages. Yeah. So if you watch the Olympia wins and losses, there's no reaction different. I mean, there was a lot of second places, which is disappointing because I was right at the door winning. Uh, but I had no reaction different, uh, whether I won or lost. Mm. And the expectation was, as I did everything I could to get there. Uh, so there was no surprises. Whether I won or lost, I prepared mentally for both. Yeah. Uh, because I knew I worked extremely hard. I, I did did everything possible and failure is not something that scares me as much as maybe other people. I think that's really, really important is mm. I realize that failures are super important to, to grow, uh, mentally, uh, through a lot of different challenges. I can face anything in life. That's, that's what realist, realistically bodybuilding has given me is, you know, the adversity you have to go through in order to be your absolute best and win on those stages. I mean, day in, day out training and the travel and the consistency of what you do and the diet regimen and everything. It's, you know, it's taught you a lot for life, but um, mm. I think really it's, it's uh, being able to prepare yourself for any situation. I think that's the difference I have. And, and I don't get emotional. As you can see, a lot of Mr. Olympians <laughs> cry on the stage. I don't do that, you know, because I already won that show no matter what the judges decide, I already won that show in my mind. And I think that's where I'm, I differ from a lot of the guys. And you can tell from that reaction. I mean, if you go back, anyone listening or viewing this, you know, watch the tape and see, uh, see what I'm talking about. And they'll understand it a little more. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Jay. Um, so that's brought out a couple of questions. And one thing I would definitely like to explore a bit later is uh, your business interests. Because I think um, that's probably a side to you a lot of people don't know. And I have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen on the podcast. But before we go there, you said um, that you've experienced a lot in your life. Um, so what kind of things have you experienced that have made you stronger and, and made you not scared of failure? Um, you know, I've been through a lot. I'm still going to focus on my career because, you know, wins, losses, uh, lost on the biggest stage, you know, I've one of the few Mr. Olympias that, you know, lost the title, came back to win it. You know, I tore a bicep, um, you know, and I came back and competed after that. I faced the injuries. Uh, you know, I've been through, you know, business. You know, I, I've had a lot of business, great success, but I have, I've had some failures too. I mean, the thing is, is it's age and experience, right? So, I think now, you know, living through my life, I mean, being a, being a so-called celebrity in a, in a business where you develop relationships and those relationships come and go, there's a lot of failed relationships and, you know, a lot of business ideas that come together that, that seem to be great, but not always come to fruition. Uh, I think, you know, it's, it's just going through life and experience. I mean, I've been through a lot of relationships and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's for me, it's everything's been a learning experience, I guess. And, uh, 
you know, I, I think that a lot of the younger generation comes to me because they look and see, okay, well, he, he's had great success. And the length of my career is very, very different from a lot. I mean, I was, I was super popular from the time, you know, I pretty much got into the game. I mean, I was on my first muscle and fitness cover when I was 21 years old mm. and I was relevant. And then, of course, I broke through suddenly at the Mr. Olympia and I was touted as one of the best bodybuilders in the world for almost 12 years, which is very rare. Um, and I've still stayed. That's the amazing thing is that I'll be five years retired this September and I'm still traveling the world and doing things that no Mr. Olympia at five years post retirement has ever done. And I think that's what why people look and view my success as different from the past because a lot of these Mr. Olympias come and go. Whereas I've been more relevant post competing than anyone in the history. And granted, I fell from a magazine guy to social media, but I've been very, very active through social channels. And, and I waited to travel to my international fan base after retirement. And I still, I still do a tremendous amount of traveling. I'm doing great things. Not only, uh, you know, trying to give back to our youth, but, you know, working with our military and I'm, I'm in that position where I have that ability to influence others at all ages, which is awesome. I see that ranges from super young kids, 13, 14, 15 years old, all the way into their sixties and seventies. You know, the parents or grandparents of some of these people that work out, you know, it, it's a pretty amazing feeling and it, it beats any of those awards I've ever received um, on state. And I always tell people that, like, I never imagined I would be a so-called role model to a lot of these people. So there's just a lot of experiences that have given me that edge. Sure. I think I've lived a lifetime of, I think anyone greater than anyone that's been in this business. I mean, even Arnold escaped bodybuilding, went to the film industry, came back to bodybuilding later. But, you know, I don't think any Mr. Olympia has continued to, be as relevant and, you know, active on the circuit, even post, yeah. you know, quitting, competing. Sure. And um, that must be a hard thing for someone to transition. Uh, I know quite a lot of, of very famous sports people in the UK who, um, you know, like their career might go till they're 30, 35, unless they're golf. Uh, and then they don't really know what to do afterwards. And sometimes they can become less relevant or lose their way. So how did you stay really relevant post-career? You know what's funny is I did what, uh, to stay relevant, I did what I just wanted to do, and that was live my life. Yeah. So, I, I mean, a lot of the transition was just automatic because I said, you know what, I want to travel more. I want to con continue to brand build. You know, I have a, a supplement line, and I do the clothing brands. I promote shows, and I'm booked doing, you know, event signings, and you know, this whole Jay Cutler enterprise has grown tremendously and, you know, the social media has helped that. So I'm one of these guys that really embraces social media. Mm. Uh, but it's just communication. It's, it's the relationships I've built. And I, I tell everyone that the most important thing you can ever build in your life is relationships because you meet so many people, especially someone on a platform like me where I get to travel worldwide and I'm in cultures that... I never imagined. I mean, come from a super small town. So uh, for me, it, it's just it's sometimes mind-boggling how many people I meet 
And you never know where those relationships were ever had. And the thing is, I'm pretty neutral with everyone where, you know, I'm not like a guy that hangs out with a ton of people. Um, because obviously my time is very limited when you're, when you're an entrepreneur and you're, you're constantly working, it's very limited and you find yourself, like I said, I'm a thinker. So I need to use a lot of alone time to think, you know, I'll take a four hour drive to California and I'd rather drive than fly because it gives me those four hours to really kind of dig my head into whatever I got going on around me Yeah, and peace and quiet. So, uh, I think with me, it's, it's just, uh, you know, it's, that's kind of like my, my key is like my thinking personality. And, you know, it's, it really kind of puts me in a different, uh, different place, you know, than, than most others. But I've been continuing, I've been, I've been able to do so many great things because of, uh, you know, what I've been through. Pretty yeah. Much. It's funny you say that Jay, because I think a lot of people, especially with social media, think that they've got to live a certain way for social media. And I heard someone say it, in a way, the similar way to you've said it. And he said, well, I don't need to show an interesting life on social media. I just need to live an interesting life and then it looks good on social media. Uh, and that sounds like that's what you've done. Just do what you want to do, have fun, meet people. Is that too simplistic? You know, you know what's funny, though, is social media, like I always think, man, I should put this up on social media <laughs> because there's a lot of stuff I leave out. But is it relative to the people that follow me. Cause the problem is, is I think people that follow my career, they're obviously fitness. A lot of people, I can't say everyone. Mm. It's fitness related, right? So I try to think, okay, I'm going to put up my workouts. I'm going to put up what I eat and what I take for supplements. Right. And obviously there's some marketing that goes in it. I mean, I have a lot of products and yeah. things that outdoors, my meal plans, that kind of stuff. But I think people like to see the lifestyle. People yeah. like to see like, okay, what does Jay do when the lights go out? Like at, you know, six o'clock, it starts to slow down for him. Like, what does he watch on TV? What about the dogs? I mean, I just showed you my dogs. Mm. When I started this thing. Yeah. And you know, there's, I found that people love the lifestyle because they want to know, okay, how can I, how can I, you know, go to the gym. For years, people have been asking me where I buy my watches. Many of you may know I'm a watch collector. I'm a watch investor. And those as an asset class have done me very well in the last 15 years. I have never shared where I source my watches from or my watch dealer until now. My watch dealer used to be a professional footballer for Manchester United. And he formed a watch brand called Broadwalk. And he sources the higher-end brands like Rolex, Audemars Piguet, Patek Philippe and Richard Mille. I trust him. I've used him for many years. And recently we've done a partnership. Hence, I'm inviting you, if you want to start investing in watches and protect your money from the banks and inflation, to check out Broadwalk. That's B-R-O-A-D-W-A-L-K. And the website is broadwalkgroup.com. The email is sales at broadwalkgroup.com. And please don't share this, but his number is 07496 878153. Obviously, only message him if you're serious about buying and investing in the higher-end watches. People have been asking me for years, and for the first time ever, you can get access to my watch team. 
have an ultimate body that I, that I wake up in the morning and I look in the mirror. Like, tell everyone this. How many people in this world wake up in the morning, look in the mirror with their clothes off, and they're happy with what they see? <laughs> Not me. <made. laughs> so, so every day you should have that that advantage of, okay, I want to achieve the ultimate body. And I tell people you're probably never going to be satisfied because I never was even when I was winning Mr. Olympia. I wanted bigger arms or bigger legs or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, I think pushing beyond your limitations is super important, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's really hard to explain because, um, you know, for me, my ultimate, uh, you know, I, I think people just want to see like what Jay does, like outside of the gym. Like I don't try to just, I put out the workouts, of course, but I think people want to see a lifestyle. And I think that's easy to do when you just act yourself. And I'm not trying to show like fancy cars and flying on private planes and all that stuff. If that, if that stuff gets thrown in the middle, there's nothing wrong with that stuff. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm as relative as anyone that follows me, meaning I come from a, a family of seven. I'm the youngest kid. We're farmers, right? And my brothers and brothers are still the same, man. They're like they're like what I call mountain people. I don't know if you guys understand that term, but yeah. they lit my brother sleeps in the woods for days. He has a cabin with no power and stuff like that. I mean, I love going home and being with my family now. They're still raising cattle and we got the pigs out there and mm. And, uh, you know, the dogs are running loose in the yard. There's nothing going on. And, and uh, you know, people don't complain. You know, it's like it's just a very simple lifestyle. And that's how I want to live my life. I don't really want to sit, like live too crazy. And people sometimes don't understand that because they think, oh, man, if you, you reach this certain level, you have to live a certain way. But, man, it's I'm as relative. I'm, I'm as normal as anyone else that follows me. And I think people are surprised. Like when they go to, when I go to the supermarket, I buy the same meat they do, or they, I buy this, or, you know, we have the same kind of interests. I have my dogs, which is awesome. They, yeah. you know, everyone that has like, you teacup Yorkies, like, Oh my God, I got the same dog. You know? <laughs> so it's like, it's very relative, you know, and that's why I think a lot of these fans follow me because they can relate to the lifestyle. It's not, anything uh, much different from their own. And I just was able to reach that, that level where I'm more visible. And that's, you know, how I just always going to put out content no matter what it is. I mean, yesterday I was at Disney having fun. I was putting out that content and, you know, I still put out YouTube videos constantly about training and, you know, introducing new people and all about my lifestyle. I think everyone wants to see lifestyle. Yeah. I think also, um, Obviously, you mentioned like dogs and things that they can relate to. They want to know that you're like them. That's quite a connecting thing. And I suppose if they get to see what your life's really like, they get to see some truth. Because a lot of media is spun and there's all this fake news and alternative facts and all this stuff. And a refreshing has been on my podcast and the podcast I listen to is where you can just have a frank and honest conversation be who you are without worrying about being judged, not putting on a mask or a veil. And I think people can sense that. So they, when they see what you're eating at the supermarket and they see when you're going and it's normal, that's what they want. They don't want all the bullshit. They just want the, this is Jay, this is who he is. And they'll probably be as inspired by the stuff you do every day as well as all the superhero stuff. Um, that's my take on it anyway. So this thinking... I find that really interesting. You say you'll drive for hours. You're a thinker. Um, now, that's not anything I'd had as a question, but 
why do you think that is? Is it to clear your thoughts? Is it to plan your um, strategy and your next attack? Is it to just get time on your own? Is it your spiritual outlet? What is this thinking thing? I think the thinking thing is like meditation almost. People ask me all the time if I meditate, and I say no, but I sit in the quiet. <laughs> I sit in my theater, like in the dark for hours with no TV on. And like people come in and stay with me, or like even my fiance Angie will come in and she'll be like, why are you sitting here in the dark? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> no, I'm sitting in a room even with the lights on. And like, why are you sitting on? Like, what are you doing over there? And I think you know, a lot of that is, is just self-planning. And I think it's meditation. I think it's uh, visualization of certain things. Uh, I, I'm a thinker, meaning like you, you can sit there and I'll, I won't say much. Like, I'm not a person that uh, when people meet me, like they're not sure how to understand me because I'll kind of look at them and I'll take stuff in and I won't say anything. Mm. I only speak when I really feel necessary to speak. Let's put it that way. You know, you meet some people and they're like, they're just over talkative, right? They like to speak because they want people to hear their voice. I don't, I'm not like that. So I'm very reserved uh, and I'll speak when I need to, but I evaluate every situation. It's like when I meet a person, I'll break that person down and try to figure out, okay, what's this person's objective? What kind of personality they have? I guess I think 15 things in, the, in a matter of 15 seconds, if that makes any sense. So my mind's all over the place when I walk in a room and, you know, I'll notice things in a room that people won't notice. It's kind of strange. Like, so I'm a thinker, you know I mean? It's yeah. just, just, I think it's how I was born. Uh, I like to evaluate things and I think it's a sort of meditation. Like you said, if I'm taking time where I, I tell you like to drive or I sit and I don't say much, Especially after a weekend, like I do meet and greets for, you know, six, eight hours a day. Yeah. Uh, I don't mind those plane ride homes where I can just kind of sit and kind of uh, decompress and not have a lot of action around me and a lot of voices in my ears, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I get it. Um, so was there a specific time in your life where you thought, I'm going to be a champion like you knew? You know, you said you, you were thinking about it at 12 when you were 18. You know, you started training big or 21. You're on the cover of a, 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 a you know, huge magazine. But can you remember a time in your life when you thought, I'm going to do this? Uh, yeah, I was a dreamer. You know, I remember growing <laughs> up and thinking, I want to be the best. You know, I remember watching Superman, Batman cartoons and thinking, I want to be like this. I remember watching Rocky IV. I think 1985 or whenever it came out or whatever, 86 or 7, thinking I want to look like Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to be a world champion, you know. I, that was a boxing movie, but uh, I, there was so many, I can tell you, there were a lot of moments where I said I'm going to be a champion. You mentioned, shoot, I, I remember winning T Nationals. I knew I would be great. Uh, landing my first muscle and fitness cover at 21, I knew I'd be great. Winning my pro card, I knew I'd be great. Winning my first pro show, I knew I'd be great. And then, of course, landing second at the first at Mr. Olympia after being second the last two years prior, I knew I'd be great. But to win the ultimate title was very elusive for me. It took me, you know, four, five attempts to win the biggest title in the world. And then I held it for two years lost it came back and won it two more and then i got an injury which kind of knocked me down yeah uh i was, wasn't able to regain that crown i really would love, love to really rewrite history not only do it once but twice mm. 
decided to step away at that point because I had more to give outside of stages. But there were so many moments that I knew I would be awesome uh, competitor. Yeah. And at, at that point too, I knew that I really could do something to give back to the bodybuilding community and beyond mm. into fitness. Uh, that's where I realized my greatest gift was, was not only being the best bodybuilder on the planet, uh, but being someone, I think a champion has a lot of uh, death. It, defi- it defines a lot of different things. And I think winning on, you know, winning competitions or, or championships or whatever is part of that. But I think carrying that at the highest level is something that, that really isn't, uh, isn't as much of a focus in people's mind, but people still tell me like, man, you're like the real champ, you know, because of the things I do off the stage and continue to do by motivating other people and giving other people the opportunity by, you know, hosting events, uh, meeting and greeting people that giving them motivation to go to the gym and lose weight, save their lives. I mean, a lot of people, it's, it's an overweight epidemic right now. Um, I think a lot of people find like an article or they see something on social media that catches their eyes and, you know, a champion is, is not necessarily defined by what they achieved on the stage, but really what they continue to do with people in their life. So, sure. uh, that's, that's how I kind of view things. I hate to call myself, you know, it seems kind of egotistical to sit there and say, I'm a champion, I'm this, I'm that, but, uh, I have to look at the track record of around me, what goes on. And I think that's really what gives me that, that it gives me motivation too, to be honest, to see these people succeed that are around me um, doing great things. I mean, I still look for motivation on a daily basis, so I can't necessarily say that I'm self-motivated because, shoot, uh, being as mid-age now and still motivated to go to the gym every day and be better in business and be better family man and find time for, you know, the more important things in life that I used to think weren't as important. I mean, we go through changes not only physically but mentally, mm. and I think I've grown, I've grown a lot in the last even 10 years, uh, especially in the five years that I've been off the stage too. Sure. Uh, and you must have a lot of wisdom that you can pass down. It'd be, it'd love, be lovely to get a little bit of that from you, Jay. You must see a load of young bulls, hungry, talented, relentless, strong guys, and you must see loads who don't make it. Um, what, what could you say to them, whether it's in bodybuilding or business or life? You know, maybe some of the mistakes you saw, maybe you could give us a bit of, hey, look, man, don't do this, do this. I think there's a lot of things I can, but I can put it in a lot of words. I can say consistency, dedication, commitment, um, staying on what you believe in, not being influenced by others. I think social media, like you mentioned earlier, uh, has really kind of jaded people to follow others. Mm. And I think really you need to find whatever, what your real passion is. I think people forget what their passion is sometimes. And I tell people, if, if you're very passionate about what you do, it's a very simple formula to get to the, to the ultimate goal um, because it just makes it so much easier. But I think people lose the vision because they're influenced by others around them or they try to act like others. Yeah. And I think the most important thing is to stay true to who you are. And everyone has definitely uh some sort of gift inside of them and someone around every single person uh even everyone that's listening to this um someone is influenced by that person and it may not be 
you know, where I can just live my life and people can follow along and say, man, you know, Jay's a great influence. It's something that you've done to impact people's lives. And, you know, we all find different ways to do that. And I think, you know, like I mentioned, I, I've done that by competing, right? And becoming yeah. Mr. Olympia. But I think I've also touched a lot of people's lives from interactions. I touched a lot of people's lives, like I mentioned, um, having similar issues that maybe came about in my life. Uh, I, shoot, I can walk by someone at, at a, you know, in a movie theater and they see me and go to the gym the next day and work hard. They don't even know who I am. I'm just a guy that just walked by. Uh, so you have all these different reasons, um, you know, but I can tell everyone that follows me, uh, and I see a lot of people, they're not, they don't have the patience. Mm. And if we want to talk bodybuilding terms, it's a lot of consistency and dedication to get the ultimate physique, meaning it's years of maturity. It's years. You can't just train for two years and become a world champion. It just doesn't happen like that. You have to build, you know, the muscularity has to get dense, meaning you have to do a lot of hours. It builds and builds and builds to the point where, you know, the density overcomes, you know, the shape and proportions. Uh, so there's so many variables that go in that, but, I see a lot of guys, they try to take shortcuts. Uh, they try to um, try to manipulate their potential, meaning like genetics. I mean, they just, they take, they take a road that they probably shouldn't take or they let relationships or others influence them in a negative way. You've got to surround yourself in a positive environment. And if that means cutting everyone out of your life to succeed in a goal, that's not unheard of for people that have succeeded in whatever they do. If you have to cut someone out, don't be afraid to do that. Yeah. And you have to surround yourself with a, what they call a great team, even if it's individual type sport like bodybuilding. Uh, you have to find uh, a path that works for you and not be uh, sidelined by others and sidelined by negativity. So I think the positive things. But there's just, I see so many different variables. I mean, the list goes on and on, but most of it's the, the consistency. Uh, the dedication of what they do and, and not following uh, what the game plan was. Great. Thanks, Jay. So why don't we now um, move into the business side of it? So I think a nice question to take us from one side of your career to the other is, did you find it easy, hard to move into the business side of bodybuilding and the brand? Because um, I know some people who are very good in a specific discipline find the commercialization hard. Or did you love that side of it? And maybe just talk us through how you transitioned to be a businessman. It was pretty easy for me because, you know, I came from a family business, so I knew the structure and I worked around great people in the beginning. My nutritionist, Chris Aceto, taught me a lot about the merchandising side. I learned from the great, great Joe Weider. What people don't realize is I mean, Schwarzenegger came over to the United States, brought over by Arnold, and he came from Austria. You know, I came from Massachusetts to California the same exact way. Joe Weider moved me to be closer to Muscle and Fitness and Flex magazines. Yeah. So it was kind of, he kind of took me under his wing. And I had a lot of great business people. I had attorneys. I had bookkeepers. I had a very positive influence type people. I followed people like Sean Ray, who, who <coughs> I thought was a great businessman, where the way he marketed his DVDs and the merchandising and I, that's how it kind of all started. And then of course I was around people that did real estate. Uh, so I got involved with that and then, you know, being around older influential business people, 
you know, I got into so many different other things and eventually got into the supplement brand once I went through all the endorsements and learned that business. Uh, and I continue to do, you know, all those things. I continue to have my hands on a lot of different ventures. And uh, my main focus right now is the supplement brand. Yeah. Uh, and continue to market, you know, the Jay Cutler Enterprise. I mean, that's what's relative more to these kind of interviews. Uh, although I still have my hands in a lot of different other uh, outside things where, you know, it's just investments and, you know, and then, uh, you know, dealing with some stocks and, you know, retirement type uh, models or whatever. But, you know, my main focus, what I learned has to be something that I'm passionate about. And, you know, although I, I was like big into real estate at a certain point in my career, it really wasn't my passion. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I got, I, I enjoy it for a while, but then I kind of got, I got kind of bored with it. So I stuck to kind of where, you know, the whole fitness side is really what I love. And I like helping people. I like people, you know, changing people's lives. I mean, how much greater can that be? And I think the physical aspect of, you know, people's lives, meaning like the way they look and the way they feel and the way they function. I think people, people can look at material things, right? We can, we can have nice homes or we can have a lot of property, um, all those things, but we don't need that stuff. What we do need in our lives is, is health wellness and ability to function. Mm. And I think that's why the fitness arena is so different from everything else, because if you can be an influencer to make people live longer, move better, feel better about themselves, what more to life is there? I mean, you're helping someone live. I mean, in, in the end of, in the end of the day, it's about living a life, right? I mean, all of us on the planet. So, that's where my passion is and that's what makes it easier. So I think, um, you know, I've stuck to things that, that worked best for me as, as far as the passion side and that's been the fitness thing. And that's what I continue to thrive on. And I want to do so much more, not finished yet. Yeah. Uh, there's so much I want to do and, and, uh, you guys, you know, everyone will see that as the years continue. And, uh, why don't you give us a little bit of a sneak peek into what they are? What would you like to do that you haven't done yet? You know, it, it really is, is building the overall presence of, of my vision, which is the health and wellness uh, arena. I mean, we're, we're now changing as far as, you know, everyone lives off their cell phones, right? It's kind of an extension of a person. Mm. So everything is at our fingertips. Eventually, anything you want to do on a daily basis is going to be based off your phone. So whether that's you know, your nutrition, I mean, as you see, people aren't even going to grocery stores anymore. They're ordering off Amazon. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you can, you know, I was saying to my fiance the other day, she was able to pay at the gas pump, you know, using her phone instead of a credit card. I mean, everything's going to be just based off your phone. So I want to be more active on, you know, creating the applications where people, it's at the fingertip and, you know, going to the gym and be able to work out and not have to really think about what, what you do as much. It's going to be pretty much just like I told you, you know, prior to this interview, like 
I have everything in my phone, right? So if I don't have it in my phone and I miss it because I can't remember on a daily basis what to do without my phone. <laughs> so for me, for me, it's like I want to make that much easier for people. So it's more on the technology side. I'm working on a couple things now. And, uh, you know, that's really where it's heading instead of, you know, I can't, I can't sit there and communicate in FaceTime or, uh, uh, personally speak to people on a daily basis, uh, as easy, but I, it's going to become easier let's, let's put it that way for me yeah. to be able to uh, relate to my people out there that, that choose to follow me. Yeah. The, um, I think it's really important for people to have multiple streams of income. The reason I think that's important, unless you use uh, your sport as an example, if you get a major injury and you can't compete in your sport anymore, you may not be able to earn a living and you've got to go back and get, you know, a, possibly a hard job. Um, you know, obviously recessions can come and go. So do you ever think about having multiple streams of income? Is it something you think is important or is it just something that's grown because you've got, you know, your multiple products and things like that? Uh, you know what? I have multiple streams. I mean, mentioned, you know, the real estate side, the supplement side, the clothing side, um, the show promotions, uh, the diets, the, the food service, the, I do medical liens, and I do ammo manufacturing, and mm. uh, I have all the various uh, retirement stocks and mutual funds and uh, business interests that I do. Um, I still have so many streams, so, and, and I think it's easy for me to say that because obviously I've built, built a great portfolio, but I think, you know, you have to find what interests you the most and, you know, you have to go outside the box sometimes, but that's where relationships come in. I can honestly tell you a lot of these successful ventures have come from the relationships because it's not what someone else's passion, they can teach you and slowly you can learn those, those are your passion too. But, uh, I mean, listen, I, I would love to get into the pet industry. You know, I love my pets <laughs> and my dogs. And, you know, I've looked at doing even into pet food, which doesn't even relate not whatsoever to what I'm doing. Um, I mean, I love fashion. I love fashion. Um, but I don't know as much about it. I'd love to get deeper into that. I'm not a computer guy. Um, you know, I'm learning, but, uh, like I mentioned, like these cell phone applications, like I've learned a lot about that. And, mm. You know, it's, it's, it's given me a great advantage to grow and, and be around different types of people. And every day I'm meeting new people. Um, but I think really, uh, you know, you have to be diverse, meaning, you know, people work nine to five jobs and they have one career um, and that industry can change. But if you're really good at something, it doesn't really matter if there's a recession or anything else because you're always going to have a job. Uh, but it would be, you know, you have to have hobbies that sometimes, I mean, bodybuilding was a hobby that turned into a career. That's mm -hmm. amazing. I was going to be a police officer. Yeah. I have a degree in criminal justice, so I never planned like I had a backup plan from day one. It wasn't like I'm going to go all in. Um, I wasn't like I was a professional athlete straight out of college. And that's all I had. I mean, a lot of these athletes still have college degrees, but, uh, it's, it's, uh, you always should have something, but for, for a lot of people, that's not possible, man. I mean, they're raising a family. Uh, they work in 40, 50, 60, 80 hour a week sometimes. Uh, so how are you going to be diverse in what you do? It's just that you've got to have great management. I think that comes from accounting, um, you know, having someone, a financial person that is legit, 
Yeah. Or just fall leaves of the relationships around you that are going to propel you into uh, becoming a better um, person, you know, financially. Um, everything needs to be structured, and that starts from a young age. You know, you can't be all over the place. You need to structure everything properly. But unfortunately, that's not how society is built. Sure. No, I get you. Um, this hobby thing, I'd like to just quickly exp- explore this because I must admit, in my mind, um, I'm on the fence about this. I have a couple of million uh, subscribers to this podcast, um, and most of those are startup entrepreneurs or, you know, um, they're, they're entrepreneurs already, but they want to do more things. And sometimes I think you should chase your passion. You should do what you love, the hobby like jaded bodybuilding, because if you love it enough and you've got passion enough, you will make it work and you will make it pay uh, and you'll endure it and you'll stay patient and you'll stay consistent. But then we know that most people never make it to the top. And, you know, yes, you can make it big in your hobby, but you can also make nothing and spend 10 years doing it. Whereas a normal job is a normal job. So we know that most people aren't going to be successful, yet we say follow your passion because that's the ultimate goal. So does one take their hobby, follow it and their passion so much so that they will make it work? Yet we're saying that 99.9% of them will fail. Am I making sense here? The paradox yeah, in it. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. So, you know, I'm going to explain why a hobby and chasing what may be out of reach but falls back into being something that's great. I'm going to give you an example. And this is going to be – I'm going to put things in perspective to our listeners because if you say you have a lot of young entrepreneurs that you – know, listen – Let's say 70% of the people fail. Okay? Let's, I hate, this is here where I just talk about the percentage that I can't stand using percentages, but yeah. you know, you have 2 million subscribers and they, they you know, say if 400,000 of them want to, want to make it to a goal, they're not going to make it, right? Yeah. I'm going to give an example. When I, when I was up and coming, okay, I was broke. I was totally broke. I was 18, 19. I was driving a piece of shit car and gas was 99 cents a dollar in a gallon in the States. So I would scrounge up change uh, to go to the gym every day. Mm. And I'd run out of gas all the time because all I would put in there is like $2 of gas, but I didn't care because I was going to the gym. Um, Because I had a vision, right? I wanted to develop the ultimate body. I wanted to stand on the biggest stage. Uh, my parents were against it. My friends were against it because they're like, where is this going? All people ever said is you can't make money in bodybuilding. It doesn't pay. How is a kid from central Massachusetts ever going to make the big time? How is he going to get the recognition? Well, you know, I beat my head against the wall by going to the gym on a daily basis, having no money. My other friends were out having fun, going partying. I was at home eating chicken breasts. And <laughs> I was working a security job that was relative to the, the degree I was going to school for for criminal justice when I was 18. I was working 40-hour weeks, making $150 a week. I was making just enough money to pay for my food and, and like, miscellaneous. Nothing. I was a piece of crap car, you know. Mm. It was scrum change for gas. But I was able to succeed um, I made it to the big time. Okay. I was one of the success stories, one in a million, but there were 12, 
15 other guys around me doing the same thing. They had a goal to be the same thing in the, in the magazines. And this is all over the country, right? Um, I competed against some of these guys as teenagers. Well, guess what? These guys didn't make it, but what did they develop along the way? Some guys became like trainers, world-renowned trainers. Uh, they are recognized they made a fortune being trainers, doing online stuff, because they came, became somewhat famous. Yeah, You know, they became somewhat famous in the magazine because they were the guys that were second, third, or fifth, or tenth, or... But they had some sort of gift that was able to grab people's attention. They had a great physique. Maybe they just couldn't nail it right, or they tore a bicep and the bicep was off. Hmm. Um, so it didn't appear as well, and it, they got judged differently. Um, some people got in, in legal trouble. You know, Some people got in legal trouble that sidelined them for a year or two, but they were, that didn't mean they were bad people. They just, you know, they fell into uncircumstantial things and, uh, you know, they, they became, you know, continued to be trainers. Uh, some guys became supplement owners. I know a guy that was a great bodybuilder. He couldn't make it to the Mr. Olympia level, but he opened up a supplement company. I know a lot of them that did that. Look at, look at Rich Kaspari, who was second at the Mr. Olympia to Lee Haney three times. He became one of the most successful uh, supplement guys out there. Look at Lee Labrada, who was second at the Olympia a million times. He developed a huge supplement brand. Look at, you know, then you look at someone like Dorian Yates, who won the title six times, built up a supplement company, and he became a trainer. He's traveling around the world, and he, he fell out for a while. He was very uh, removed, and he came back in. Now he's really popular. I'll be doing an appearance with him at the end of the year in Dubai. So it really, you know, it comes down to what you read every day. What you can read on Instagram is these people that, quote, you know, do the same thing every day. You have the same result, right? If you've got to step out of your shell in order to do different things, if everyone has talent, just because you can't reach, listen, some people want to be the president of the United States. You know, that's not going to happen. Okay. A lot of people, there's going to be one that makes it, but you know, what can you do? You still can get into politics. You can still be this or you can be that you just, you've got to find your path, but there's no reason to shoot for the top, but you've got to have your, your steps in place too. Yeah. You know, I didn't go up when I went to Mr. Olympia, I had to go from team nationals to nationals to winning a pro uh, show to go to the Arnold classic, second most prestigious show, winning that three times and then winning the Olympia. You know, there's just so many stepping stones. Unfortunately, I think a lot of luck comes into it, to be honest. Uh, you know, you, just because you're great at something that, you know, there's so many people that are greater than all these other people, but for some reason, that one person gets ahead. I think it really comes down to the hard work and dedication and commitment and being a little stubborn, man. I, I keep coming back to stubborn because you have to be stubborn in order to be successful because failure, people run the other direction, right? They say, oh, my God, I'm I failed at this. I get, I, I'm no good. I'm just going to turn around. I'm the guy that just is right back there. Someone punches me in the face. I fall down. I get knocked back up. You know, I stand back up and then I get punched again. I fall back down and then I, I keep striving to move, keep moving forward. So I think that's super important. And sure. I think that's really what it comes down to. And uh, you will find your way, it, it, but it may not be the ultimate, like what you thought, but it may be actually more successful in the end. Mm. Um, and you may be more passionate about it. That's all. If there's anything in the world that's ever been said for people who want to run their own business, um, I would like to bottle what you just said and, and share it with everyone. It's funny because I had exactly the same conversation with one of the best golf coaches 
Um, he's coached most of the best golfers in the world. I met him last week and chatted to him. And he used golf in the same way. He said, well, OK, you should ne never let anyone tell you you can't be a pro if you really want to be a pro. But the odds are stacked against you. So try your best to be a pro. And if you don't make it, you'll be a brilliant coach or you'll design clubs or you'll be a, a brilliant manager or a marketer or I don't know, you might design golf bags or golf balls. But the point is, you did what you love. You tried your best. You might get lucky. You might not. But you can still make a great career. And um because I think that balances nicely the paradox between doing what you love, but knowing that statistics are against you, but you can still find your way. Like you might want to be in a band and be a musician. OK, you might not be Coldplay or, you know, whoever, but you might be a, a technician or you might be a manager of artists. I just um, I just wish more people knew that so then they could have the courage to go and do what they love and know they'll find their own way. It's not, it's about having the about having the drive or the confidence. People lack confidence. And listen, there's a lot of things I want to do, but I probably fear that I'm not good at it. Like, listen, I want to go. I want to go. I was a great athlete, and I want to go shoot basketball. I told my fiance I want to go to this fair. I want to shoot hoops mm. with her and challenge and challenge her. She's yelling. <laughs> uh, I want to challenge her, but a part of me is like maybe I shouldn't go do this because if I don't win, it's going to make me look bad. <laughs> this is this is this is nothing on the business side. This is all fun, yeah. but never going to know until I go do it. Mm. So have to go do it now, you know, yeah. um, because I just think that that's going to be some great for my mind to overcome that, right? Mm. And that's very simplified, uh, and that's kind of an ego thing too, and being stubborn too. So. <laughs> yeah, well, um, obviously, someone very famous in your sport, Arnold, he made a really big thing out of more than one career. And it looked like from the outside, he had the courage to do something that people would say he wouldn't be able to do because um, he might have been accused of being a bit wooden and he's acting in his early days. And look how he, um, you know, turned that around. Who'd have thought that Trump would have been president? I mean, I know we're used to him now, but 10 years ago, the guy was just a businessman. As much, I d you know, I, I don't know what the, the, the feeling in America about Trump is. In England, there's quite a lot of hate for Trump. And I think this man was a businessman and he went and he made himself the president. And if you can't respect that, then there's something wrong with you. I'm not, you know, not putting any political views out there. I just think you can choose to do whatever you want to do. You've got the freedom to do it. Who says you can't? Just because people say you can't doesn't mean you can't. You never know. You might actually be really good at it. Who knows? I agree. I mean, I've been to where Arnold grew up. I saw his conditions. Uh, I saw what it was like. I talked to the person that started Arnold. I was training. I trained. I trained. I went to the gym and Arnold started training. Besides this way you said at home. Uh, I think, you know, Arnold would say the same thing as he had a vision. And I think a lot of that's luck, to be honest. I think a lot of it was luck. Uh, but he was ahead of his time. His body brought him over to the States. And, and people still say, you know, I'm in California as we speak. Well, Arnold wasn't a great actor. That's all I hear. But he did it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, he was the highest paid at one time. I don't know if you recall it. Yeah, it was. He was the highest paid action star at one time. Mm. I mean, just like Dwayne Johnson is now rock, you know. But 
Arnold is the highest paid. And people say, well, any of, if you watch Arnold's films, he transitioned from, you know, Conan and Terminator and all these action hero stuff, Commando to Kindergarten Cop and Twins and where he's, uh, okay, Arnold's a hard guy, then he turned into a soft guy, and he continued to do these things all the way until he did Expendables and, and Total Recall and all these other things. But, uh, you know, he had a lot of different um, transitions in his career. And then, of course, he you know did the whole bodybuilding thing, which, you know, helped propel bodybuilding to a different level. Mm. So he was a huge figurehead and still continues to be. Yeah. Um, he influenced a lot of people. He was an immigrant that came over to basically – you know, succeed in California and become uh, governor of California. I mean, I think he wanted to be president. He couldn't be, um, but he went as far as he possibly could. And, and I think, you know, that that's a landmark for fitness and it's a landmark for someone coming from overseas, uh, you know, from Austria or whatever. Yeah. So I think, um, I think it's just like, man, like, uh, it, it just goes to show like anyone can achieve anything. It's just, you got to put your head to it and stop saying, well, it's not going to happen to me. It's so easy to say that. And then, you know, just run away. Mm. It's, like go full force in. I mean, think, I think really the whole thing, if people sit back and I could kind of evaluate this whole interview, it's like put your head forward and move forward. Don't go backwards. Don't turn around. Don't go the other way. It's like, it's like big relationships, like not getting along with your brothers, sisters, your husband, wife, whatever it is, parents, you know, don't just give up. You, mm. you find ways to work through situations. I think you do, you do the same thing. I mean, it's like, you know, you take a direction, you move straight forward. Sometimes you got to go to the right or left, but keep moving forward. Yeah. And earlier you said this, and it seems to sort of almost be built in you from an early age, but I don't think everyone has this. So I think it's worth saying again. Don't be afraid to fail. I, I don't get the impression that Arnold Schwarzenegger or yourself or anyone that's really successful took failure too seriously. No one likes it, let's be honest, but you were able to roll with it. Yeah, you have, you have, to, uh, you have to roll with it. Mm. You know, failure's going to come. Mm. Failure's going to come, but you've got to face it, that's all. Hopefully the failures, you know, I always tell everyone my successes outweigh my failures. <laughs> so it's a little for me. I mean, and I think a lot of that is that hardcore decision making, which is my long thought processes and silence mm. because I evaluate, okay, what's going to be the best, sometimes a conservative, sometimes it's a very um, emotional decision. Uh, but most of my decisions are very thought through. Sure. And and weighed out, let's put it that way. Mm. So I think that comes down to the person. Don't make rash decisions quickly. Think through the processes and then move forward. Right, Jay, look, I'd love to stay all day, but, you know, that wouldn't be respectful of your time. So can we finish with a few maybe sort of quicker fire questions? Uh, you can spend as long as you want answering them, but if you want to just do some short answers, that would also be great. I've got about five. So the first one is... Any main lessons that you brought over from bodybuilding into business that helped you? Yes. Always keep your relationships, even if you don't like necessarily good relationships. <laughs> okay, Super great. Important. Yeah. And can you remember any really good advice you've ever had? 
uh, yes, nothing comes free in life. An old man told me that early on. Mm. Um, I know who that person is. I'm not going to mention that, but sure. he told me nothing comes free in life. So to evaluate that, remember when someone offers you something for free, be careful uh, that there's something not attached to the other end. Sure. So if someone asks you, especially if it's a business or it's going to cost them money, uh, be very aware that this might not be for free. Sure. Okay. Thanks. Advice is, advice is different, yeah. but be careful to trust people. Um, uh, sometimes with what advice they give you. That's all. Sure. Okay. Thanks. Can you remember any uh, really bad advice you've ever been given? Mm, bad advice I've been given. That's a tough one. Mm. Because that's bad advice. I, I've been like, I'm too stubborn to take bad advice and think that it's bad advice, meaning, uh, you know, if someone says, hey, invest in this or invest in, you know, listen, people have told me to buy, you know, certain stock or people told me to invest in certain things. And that's probably the bad advice. I think yeah. that's what that comes to. It's a financial thing. I hate to put it on that. But anyone that's told me, no one's really told, how do you tell Jay Cutler, you know, oh, bad advice and expect him to follow through with it other than, uh, financial, you know yeah. what I mean? I don't know. That's, that's, <laughs> now that's fine. I, I, live my, I live my life a certain way. So no one's going to give me advice as how to change that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good answer. Someone even said to me once, well, I don't remember all the bad advice, so I don't remember it. And just like some people just don't store bad advice. It's just on with the next move on. Um, is there anyone you particularly admire or hold in really high regard that you just like to say who they are and why? Uh, listen, there's a lot of people. I mean, Joe Weider was the reason I was able to continue uh, doing what I did. Um, Ed Connors was someone that brought me to California in the very beginning. He's he's was the former owner of Old Skin. I owe a lot to him. Yeah. Um, first photographer that ever shot me, Urban Gell. He was very important in my career, um, giving me the influence. Um, you know, my family, my friends. Mm. Uh, you know, all these people uh, were big influences to me. Uh, you know, all the sponsors that ever helped me. Um, there's a lot of them. Mm. All the, you know, I want to thank the people that, that did screw me over too, because those people taught me a lot. Oh, <laughs> I think a lot of the, the bad decision decisions I made in business that helped me become a better businessman. Mm. Uh, but I have, you know, state those early people in my career that really influenced me, you know, uh, Jim Manning, who runs the IFBB, Steve Weinberger, who's my good friend that I do show promotions with. I mean, all these people are still big figureheads in my life uh, that, that have helped me quite a bit. Great. Thanks, Jay. Um, this is just the guy who trained me for a lot of years. He, he's a big influence for me. Okay. The list will go on. Yeah, sure. This uh, podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. Um, that word disruptive, what does it mean to you? Um, it means shaking up something that's steady, meaning uh, disruptive means like a time lapse, meaning like something that, that is off the straight and narrow, that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how, uh, let's see, how would I define it? How would you define it? 
What's your ultimate definition of that? I have my own definition, but I, it's just always interesting to hear everyone else's definition. Um, usually people talk about um, upsetting the norm, which I think is kind of what you said. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, I, yeah, I mean, normally I'd wake up, I'd get up and do my pre-workout, a um, little bit of pre-workout, and I'd go do my cardio, but you disrupted my routine this morning. <laughs> That's one of the best... I would call it. I would call it messing up what's normal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so um, what one or more of your products or books do you think our listeners might most enjoy hearing from you about? Where do you want to send us? Where can we follow you? You know what? I, I, I it's not about my products. It's about me. Yeah. So I would say the biggest outlets be my Facebook page, Jay Cutler Four X, and my Instagram, which is at Jay Cutler, uh, my YouTube channel, Jay Cutler TV. These are all places you can gather information about me and my life and use possibly in any s- step to whatever your achievements may be. Follow me, learn from me, um, enjoy my, my hard moments and my great, you know, my, my more subtle moments and, uh, you know, just, you know, step into my life for a minute and check out what I got going on. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I follow you, Jay, and I, th- I think it's great. And I just want to say I really appreciate you taking the time today and sorry for disrupting your routine. I feel really guilty now. <laughs> um, but no, I'm really grateful for you taking the time out. Um, uh, so um, those of you that are live or listening in, um, this has been uh, Jay Cutler. Thank you very much. Oh, remember, I've got to sign out with, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. <laughs>